Welcome to the Myth, Legend and Lore podcast. The Saga of Frithiof the Bold, an adaption from the 1875 translation by Eric Magnusson and William Morris, and the 1901 translation by Rasmus B. Anderson. Chapter 7 Frithiof at the Orkneys. When Frithiof and his men landed, Jarl Angantyr was at Effia. It was his way when he was sitting at the drink that a man should sit watch at the window. From a great horn he drank, and as one was emptied, another was filled. Hallward was at watch when Frithiof came ashore and sang this stave. Men I see a bailing amid the storm's might. Six bail on a lady, seven are rowing. Like is he in the stem, straining hard at the oars, to Frithiof the bold, the brisk in battle. And when he had drank the last drop from the horn, he cast it out the window, turned to the woman who poured the drink, and said, Take up from the floor, O fair-going woman, the horn cast down, drunk to its end. I behold men at sea, who, storm-beaten, shall need help at our hands, ere the haven they make. Jarl Angantyr heard Hallward's song, so he asked what had stirred Hallward, and the reply was this. Men have come ashore, weary yet brave lads, I think. One of them is so hardy he carries the others to dry land. Then said the Jarl, Go and meet them, welcome them. And if this be Frithiof, the son of Herseer Thorstein, who was my friend, and he is a man famed far and wide for all his prowess. There was a man named Atli, a great Viking, who now chose to speak. Now it shall be proven if Frithiof has sworn never to be the first in craving peace from any man. With Adley there were ten men, all evil and outrageous and the worst kind, who often became berserkier. When they met Frithiof, they took to their weapons, and Atli said, Turn this way, Frithiof, as eagles fight claw to claw, so shall we. Let us see if you hold to your word and not crave first for peace. So Frithiof turned to meet them, and sang, Nay, nay and not, now shall ye cow us. Blenching hearts, isle abiders, alone with you ten the fight I will try, rather than pray for peace at your hands. Then Hallward spoke, The Jarl wills that you are made welcome, none will insult you here. Frithiof replied, saying that he would take it with a good heart, that he was prepared for either peace or war. 
they were taken to the Jarl, who made Frithiof and all his men most welcome, and there they stayed for the winter, and were held in high regard, and often the Jarl would ask about the voyage, so Bjorn sang. There bailed we, white fellows, washed over and over on both boards by billows. For ten days we bailed there, and ate thereunto. The Jarl said, It is an evil king who has vexed you, and used wizardry to overcome men. But I know, said Angantyr, that you have been sent to gather tribute, and King Helgi will have nothing from me. But to you I give a fee to call what you wish, and do with it whatever you have a mind to. And so, with a nod, Frithiof said that he would take the fee. Chapter 8 King Ring Weddeth Ingebjörg It shall now be told of what came to pass in Norway in the absence of Frithiof. The brother kings burned all at Forness, and when the weird sisters were at their work on their incantations, high upon their witch mount, they fell and both their backs were broken. That autumn King Ring journeyed north to Sion and a great feast was prepared for his wedding to Ingeborg. How did you come by that ring on your arm? said King Ring to Ingeborg. She replied that her father had owned it, but Ring said, I think not, for that is Frithiof's gift. Take it off your arm straight away. You will lack for no gold when you come with me to Alfheim. Ingeborg had little choice, and so gave the ring to King Helgi's wife and told her to give it to Frithiof when he returned. Then King Ring departed for Alfheim with his wife, and his love for her was exceeding and great. Chapter 9 Frithiof Brings the Tribute to the Kings It was spring when Frithiof departed the Orkneys and Jarl Angantyr on good terms, and Hallward went with him. But when they came to Norway, they heard of the burning of Frithiof's stead. When he saw Forness, Frithiof said, Black is my house waxen now. No friends have been at work here. And he sang withal. Frank and free with my father dead, In Forness old we drank aforetime. Now my abode, behold, I burnt. For many ill deeds, the kings must I pay. Then he sought the counsel of his men and what should be done, but they advised him it was his decision, and he decided that the first thing he must do was pay the tribute. And so they rode over the fjord to Seerstrand, but they found the kings had gone to Baldur's meats to sacrifice to the gods. So Frithiof and Bjorn made for that sacred place, and ordered Hallward and Asmund to break up all the ships they found, both great and small. And this they did. When Frithiof and Bjorn came to the door of Baldur's Meats, Bjorn advised his friend to tread warily, as he must enter alone. And Frithiof charged him to keep watch, and sang this stave. All alone I go unto the stead, no folk I need for the finding of the kings. But cast ye the fire o'er the king's dwelling, I come not again in the cool of the even. Ah! said Bjorn. Well sung indeed. Then Frithiof entered, and saw few folk in the hall of the goddesses. There he found the kings at their blood offering, 
sitting and drinking. A fire was there on the floor, and nearby sat the wives of the kings warming the gods, while others anointed them. Frithiof approached King Helgi and said, Here is your tribute. With that, he swung the heavy sack filled with silver, with such force towards the face of the king, that he smashed two of his teeth, knocking them clean from his mouth, and down Helgi fell from his high seat, quite stunned. But Hafton got hold of him, saving him from falling into the fire. Then Frithiof sang, Have the here thy scat, high lord of the warriors, heed that with thy teeth, lest all tumble about thee. Lo, the silver abideth at the bite of this bag here, that Bjorn and I betwixt us have borne thee. There were few men in the room, for drinking was in another place, and as Frithiof made to leave, he saw the ring he had given to Ingeborg on the arm of Helgi's wife, as she sat warming Balder by the fire. Frithiof seized the ring, but it held fast to her arm, and so he dragged her across the floor, heading for the doorway. But as he did so, Balder fell from her grasp and into the fire. And as Hafton's wife hastily reached out for the wife of Helgi, so too did the god that she had been warming fall into the fire. Suddenly, all the gods caught fire for they had been anointed, and the flames ran up to the roof, and the temple was all ablaze. But at last Frithiof retrieved the ring and left. When Bjorn asked him what had come of his going in there, Frithiof held up the ring and sang. The heavy purse smote Helgi hard amidst his scoundrel's visage. Lowly bowed Hafton's brother, fell bundling mid the high seat. There, Balder fell a-burning. But first my bright ring at eye, fast from the roaring fire, I dragged the bent crone forward. It is said Frithiof cast a firebrand up onto the roof, so that the hall was all consumed by fire, and therewith sang. Down stride we toward the sea strand, and strong deeds set a-going, for now the blue flame bickers amidst of Baldur's meadow. And from there they went down to the sea. Chapter 10 Frithiof made an outlaw As soon as King Helgi had recovered to some degree, he sent his men after Frithiof with orders to slay him and his men. He said, his life is forfeit, since he did not spare the place of peace. The horn to gather the king's men was blown, and when they arrived they found the hall still afire. King Hafton went to the hall with them, but Helgi followed after Frithiof and his folk, who, by this time, were aboard ship and lying on their oars. Too late in their pursuit did King Helgi and his men find that all the ships were damaged. They turned back to shore. But some men were lost. Then, so enraged did King Helgi become that he lost control of his senses, that he bent back his bow, laid an arrow upon the string, and took aim at Frithiof, but drew back so mightily that the bow snapped in two. When Frithiof saw this, he picked up two oars from the deck of the lady and pulled them with such force that they both broke, and with that he sang. Young Ingeborg kissed I aforetime, kissed Belly's daughter in Baldur's meadow. So shall the oars of Elidi break both together, as Helgi's 
bull breaks. Then the wind began to tear through the fjord, so they hoisted their sail and carried on. Frithiof bade them to work hard, and they pulled at the oars with urgency. As they left Song Fjord, Frithiof sang. Sail we away from Song, e'en as we sailed for time, when they flared the fire all over the house that was my father's. Now is the bale a-burning amidst of Baldur's meadow, but went I as a wild wolf, well what I they have sworn it. And what shall we do now, foster brother? said Bjorn. I shall not remain in Norway, said Frithiof. I will learn the ways of warriors and sail a Viking. And so they searched the islands and skerries during the summer, gathering riches and recognition. And when the autumn came, they made for the Orkneys, receiving a warm welcome from Angantyr, and there they wintered. But while Frithiof was gone from Norway, the king saw fit to hold a thing, where they had Frithiof made an outlaw throughout their realms. They took his lands. King Hafton rebuilt the hall at Forness, making it his home. So too did they rebuild Baldur's Meads, though it took some time to dampen the fire there. The gods had been completely burned, and this offended Helgi the most. It had come at a great cost to ensure Baldur's Meadow was as it had been before. At Seerstrand did King Helgi sit. Chapter 11 Frithiof fareth to see King Ring and Ingeborg. Frithiof gained riches and renown wherever he went. Savage and evil men he slew, but the free men and merchants he left in peace. And for a second time he was called Frithiof the Bold. By now his numbers had grown into a large, well ordered army of men. It was becoming exceedingly wealthy. But when Frithiof spent three winters on expeditions, he sailed west, steering up the Vic, and made plans to go ashore. All of you should carry on without me this winter, for I am growing weary of warfare and desire to go to the uplands in search of King Ring. But return for me. I will be here waiting on the first day of summer. Bjorn said, this seems an unwise plan, though it will be done. I would far rather we fear north to Song than slay both Helgi and Hafton. No, Bjorn, I must find King Ring and Ingeborg, said Frithiof. Bjorn said, It is too great a risk to let you go alone into his hands. Although Ring is somewhat old, he is a wise man and of great ken. But Frithiof replied that he must have his own way on this matter. And you, Bjorn, will command our company a while. Frithiof travelled to the uplands in the autumn, for he wanted to see the love between King Ring and Ingeborg for himself. He disguised himself with a great cloak, all shaggy, and held two staves in his hands, and a mask over his face, so that he appeared exceedingly old. On his way he met herdsmen with labour. He asked them, Where are you from? They answered and said, We are of Stirtaland, where the king dwells. Then the old man asked, Is King Ring a mighty king? They answered, You look old enough to know what manner of man King Ring is, in all respects. The old man said, 
that he had been thinking of salt boiling rather than the ways of kings, and took himself off towards the king's dwelling. When there was little left of the day, he arrived at the hall, blinking about as if he were a dotard, and pausing by the doorway. He pulled his hood over his head and hid his face. Then King Ring said to Ingeborg, A man far bigger than other men has come to the hall. The queen replied, That is of little importance here. But the king pulled aside a manservant who stood at the table and said, Go and ask that old man who he is, where he came from, and who his kinsman might be. The lad made quickly for the newcomer and said, What is your name, my good man? Where were you last night? Where are your kinsmen? The cowled man replied, You ask questions rapidly, good fellow, but have you the skill to understand if I tell of such things? Certainly, said the lad. Well, said the cowbearer, Thief is my name. With wolf was I last night, and in anger was I reared. The lad hastily made his way back to the king, and told him what the newcomer had said. Well done, lad, said the king. Anger, I know it well. It may well be that the man is of a heavy heart, and yet I think he might be a wise man and of worth. Then the queen said, it is a remarkable thing that you wish to talk with every carl that comes in here. What is the worth of him, then? You know as well as I do, said the king. But I see a man who thinks more than he talks, and carefully looking all about him. With that the king sent for a man, and the cowbearer went before the king, bending forward somewhat, and greeted him in a low voice. Then said the king, by what name are you known? And the cowbearer answered with a song. Peace thief they called me on the prow with the Vikings. But war thief, when, as I said, widows a-weeping. Spear thief, when I sent forth the barbed shafts. Battle thief, when I burst forth on the king. Hell thief, when I tossed up small babies. Isle thief, when in the outer isles I harried. Slain's thief and I sat aloft over men. Yet since I have drifted with salt-boiling carls, needy of help, her hither, I came. Then said the king, From many things have you taken the name of thief, then. But where were you last night, and where is your home? The cowl-bearer said, In anger I grew up, but hearts drove me here, and my home is nowhere. The king said, Perhaps you have known sorrow a while, yet it may be that you were born in a place of peace. But I think you must have spent the night in the wild wood last night, for no man who dwells near here is called wolf. But when you say you have no home, you must mean your home means little to you, since it is your heart that has driven you here. Then Ingeborg spoke. Go, thief, find yourself somewhere to spend the night, or find a place as a guest of the hall. Nay, said the king, I am old enough to arrange a place for my guests. Throw off the cowl, newcomer, and take a seat by my other hand. 
You are old and overold, said the queen. You offer beggars a place by your side. Nay, lord, it is not becoming, said Thief. Better it were as the queen says. I am more used to sitting among the salt boilers than sitting beside lords. Do as I will, said the king, for I will rule this time. So, Thief cast off his cowl, and underneath his cloak he wore a dark blue kirtle. On his arm was the gold ring. About his waist was a thick silver belt, and from it hung a great purse filled with bright silver pennies. A sword was girt to his side. He wore a fur hood on his head. His eyes were dim, and his face appeared wrinkled. Ah, now things are as they should be, said the king. My queen, give him a good mantle, one that will suit him well. By your rule, my king, said the queen. But I am not certain about this man called Thief. A mantle was placed over him, and sat in the high seat beside the king. But as the queen laid eyes upon the ring, she waxed as red as blood, and yet was unwilling to talk with him. But the king was undaunted and said, A goodly ring you wear on your arm there. You must have boiled salt long enough to earn it. Thief said, It is my inheritance from my father. Ah, said the king. It might well be you have more than that. I would think there are a few salt boilers who are your equals, unless it is old age that is creeping into my sight. If Thief remains there through the winter, where his company was enjoyed, he was well thought of by all men. He was generous with his wealth, and made merry with the men. And though the queen seldom spoke with him, the king and he enjoyed their time together. Thank you.